politics, pop culture, and a whole bunch of other things that start with the letter P. The Mark Harvard Podcast. Who knew that optimism could sound so sarcastic? Hey, 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 welcome in to the Mark Harvard Podcast. I'm the aforementioned Mark Harvard, and thanks for joining us this evening. We've got a lot of big things to talk about today, but first, I want to get into the show by telling you that this episode is brought to you in part by my good friends over at All Things New Counseling Services. Charmin, Rutherford, and the gang, they are who you need to talk to if you're having a rough time. Everybody needs a little help every once in a while. And uh, they're a group of Christian counselors that are really there to listen to you and help you through some of the, you know, the anxiety, the uh, the different types of, of problems that you're having just happen on a day-to-day basis that sometimes you need to talk to someone about. Give them a call, 205-765-9155. It's all things new. Counseling Services, 205-765-9155. Tell them you heard about them right here on the Mark Harvard Podcast. So... We've got a guest on the show that I've known actually for for, for a few years now. He uh, is the guy behind that church conference, and that's where I got to know Justin. And uh, since then, uh, I th- I believe at least at least on my end we've become friends. I'm sure I'm one of like thousands of people he talks to on a daily basis. So I'm just you know a, a name a name on the other side of a computer keyboard, but I consider him a friend, and uh, he's someone I look up to in the realm of communications because he's just done some amazing things, and he's just a cool guy. Mr. Justin Dean is on the phone, or rather on the on the Zoom, the Skype, if you will. Thanks for joining us today, uh, Justin. Hey Mark, yeah man, thanks for having me on. This is like a, this is like a real podcast, man. I thought we were like this is like a true crime podcast or something going on here. <laughs> Great, love well, it. Well, you know, I spent all those years in radio, and I have such a hard time letting it go. And so this is yeah. kind of what I do now. Is, is yeah. I just I just create content. Well, I do most of these things, and they're like whatever. We're just you know, we'll just wing it. You've got like you know the soundproof studio. You got the music. <laughs> I mean, this is crazy. Well, this studio, it's, it's, it's real funny. Um, when we moved into this house, my wife, this was the bait she used for me to, for, to, be, to be okay with us getting this house, was that I could like build a studio in here. here. Exactly. Yeah. So, I love it. So, yeah, here we are. There you go. So, Justin, now, you uh, right now, are in, you're in the realm of, of, of marketing, your church communications. You're working with the Tithely gang, right? Ah, yeah, Tithely actually uh, bought the conference little bit ago and so i'm working for them as a director of marketing but still running the conference so uh you know i'm pretty ecstatic about that and and the future of uh what it's going to be with with them behind it and and that church conference is is really cool it's uh, at that that church cc.com um i've actually that cc.com i I always try to mess that up thank you i gotta go i gotta go buy that church cc.com why don't i mess it up before i bought it I could have made some money here, but but I've actually I've actually attended a couple of years. I've 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 been you know Justin's been kind enough to let me contribute for a couple of years, and it's just it's I've gotten so much knowledge out of this conference. If you're in communications or if you're a church staff member who wants to know more about spreading the gospel, that church conference is one of the best. So absolutely go go, go sign up for that. One of the best. Well, well, now that I'm done hawking your wares, if you will. Justin, before you did all of this, you were a part of Mars Hill Church. Never it, heard of it. Never heard. Yeah, that, that is that the uh, that the byline you're going with. That's just the, yeah, the yeah, generic. Yeah. New- I I deny that uh, left and right. 
Well, let me, well let me tell you a little bit about Mars Hill Church then. 1970, Mark Driscoll was born in Grand Forks, uh, North Dakota. In 92, he graduated college. And in 96, Mars Hill Church was founded by Mark Driscoll, Mike Gunn, and Leif Moy. Now, 1998, Driscoll and David Nichols founded the Acts 29 Church Planting Network. Uh, they purchased the Ballard campus in 2003. In 06, they became a multi-site church. This is a church on just a crazy high trajectory. Driscoll founded the Resurgence in 06. In 07, they reorganized their leadership structure. Mars Hill's first out-of-state campus opens in New Mexico in 2009. Uh, and here's where things kind of steered in a different direction. In 2012, Driscoll resigned as president of Acts 29 and from the Council of Gospel Coalition. Charges brought against him in 2013 uh, by former pastor Dave Kraft. Driscoll's accused of plagiarism by a radio host in 2013. In uh, 14, allegations of plagiarism, misappropriation of funds, bullying, uh, a toxic atmosphere. All this is pointed at Mark Driscoll. And um, he appears as part of a video apology on the on the church's website in 2014. Uh, there's protesters that later that year. Um, Acts 29 revokes uh, Mars Hill's and Mark Driscoll's memberships later that year. Um, he resigns from Mars Hill Church in 2014. Um, all of the Mars Hill churches become independent churches in 2015. And Driscoll announces his Trinity Church plant in Phoenix, Arizona in 2016. And then former church members start filing civil lawsuits. And it just it goes from there. Now, through all Ooh. this. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. So, so, does it ring a bell? Justin? <laughs> yeah, that's, some of that sounds familiar. Yeah, there you go. Now, <laughs> I remember now. Now, Because, Justin, you were a part of all of this. What was your exact role through this? Well, I, so we started there in 2009. I, I had moved from Atlanta to Seattle. And we were attending at, at that point and leading a community group, that kind of stuff. But then I joined uh, staff in, I think, 2010, end of 2010, um, as uh as a marketing manager and then that evolved into a communications director so I, I oversaw all you know social media all of our content all the stuff going on resurgence all of our marketing uh and then pr and those last few years uh where all that fun stuff happened that you mentioned i was the spokesperson for the church uh as part of the pr and communications role now before before things went just completely off the rails I mean, this was a church that was just on an amazing trajectory. I mean, it was it was just growing by leaps and bounds. So tell me about what made Mars Hill special. Why was why was this growth happening? I mean, the the growth of Mars Hill can really be attributed to to, to Mark and his preaching style and his his vision to really go after the men. I mean, it was it, it was his goal to to almost harshly, uh, bluntly, you know, directly go after the men uh, and and change their lives in a way that they become men who stand up and lead their families and lead the church. And, um, you know, from there, it trickled down and they were able to lead their families to attend church, you know, grow families. I mean, when Marshall started, it was a bunch of 18 to 20 year old guys who were all addicted to porn and living in, you know, ultra liberal Seattle. And no one had ever, you know, they've all got fathers who are absent. And, you know, Mark was in here yelling at them to, to shape up and it was just what they needed. And then, you know, as the church grew and, you know, those those men kind of matured and got married and had families, you know, things evolved over the years. And maybe that's where some of it got a little messy. But like it's, you know, he was just very, very focused on 
bold biblical preaching and, you know, yes, from a certain uh, biblical perspective of, you know, complementarianism and reformed theology and um, which, you know, I, I definitely still subscribe to, but uh, that's where a lot of the controversy comes from as well, too, because it's not your typical traditional type of beliefs uh, that are maybe more common uh, among most churches. Um, but I think that that's where that's where the growth came from, particularly in uh, a place like Seattle, where, you know, that was needed. Well, it's kind of a tough love sort of thing, right? I mean, it was just... Oh. It was it was, totally. it, it, yeah. it was not a warm hug as much as it was a smack on the back of the head, you know? Yeah, yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a large part of this, it, it's it's uh, Mark Driscoll and his style, but is that is that where it became the issue? I mean, is is did did that just that momentum never slow down and it just kind of built upon itself? I mean, yeah, I guess, I guess in a way, I mean, the church grew to, we had 15 locations in five different states, I think. And, you know, we were pushing 30,000 people on a Sunday on, uh, you know, good holiday Sundays and things like that. And uh, maybe closer to 20, 22,000 uh, on average. And, you know, especially for the, the church closed in the end of 2014 in the, you know, the late 2000s there, that was, uh uh, we were one of the biggest. I, mean, I think we were at one point the third fastest growing church and maybe the eighth or ninth largest. I mean, it was just growing leaps and bounds year after year uh, until it wasn't, um, you know, kind of came to an abrupt halt there. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I think people, people flocked to Marcel. We had people, when we hired people, they moved across the country to come and work there around the world, really. Uh, we had families who were, you know, we'd meet them uh, as newcomers and, uh, you know, where'd you come from? Why are you here? Actually, we we moved to this area so that we could go to Mars Hill. Like, it wow. was just crazy, uh, you know, the people who were, and we had people watching all over the world. Like, when we actually were able to track our online views, uh, we were seeing 200, 300,000 individual people watching our sermons online every Sunday, which even today is unheard of. That, I've yet to see another church that even comes close to those numbers. Yeah, that, that, and, that, that's uh, crazy amounts of, of yeah. engagement there. So, totally. So what, give me an example. What was, what was one of those ways that, that the church really reached people where they were? You know, it, it's, there's a lot that we didn't do that I wish we had done and that we had planned to do in the future for sure. But it really came down to a direct focus on biblical teaching and done so in a way that was just very direct, very clear. He's a very charismatic guy. I mean, he would preach for more than an hour on average, hour and a half. Uh, we went through the book of Luke for two and a half years, verse by verse wow. as a sermon series. I mean, it was just, it was just like a, no flashy you know, uh, at the movies sermon series, it was like, no, this is just Luke. We're just going to go verse by verse in Luke. And that was our biggest growth period. It, it was just crazy. Like people were, were hungry for good biblical preaching that that wasn't fluffy. That wasn't, you know, our music wasn't the typical music. Uh, like we really had a mission to be different with the music. We wanted uh, songs that would play on the radio that you would hear on just secular radio uh, because it was that good, you know, kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, you know, Christian music uh, stations would barely even cover our stuff because they were like, no, it's too 
uh, one time, I think Caleb or somebody like that, they said it's too vertical. And we were like, what does that even mean? And they're like, well, it's talking too directly about like teaching about God. And we, you know, that just doesn't appeal to the broader audience on the on the radio waves. We want, you know, for a Christian radio song network? type of thing. We were like, what are you talking about? Like, this is what is needed. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It was the meat and potatoes without the, you yeah. know, you didn't have the side, the crazy sides, you know. Right. So, so when when we get back, I want to talk a little bit about where things went sideways. Now, um, I want to go into a little more detail on that because you had a front row seat in probably one of the most uncomfortable roles that many of us would ever want to or not want to be in. Um, also, I want to talk. To, I want to ask you a little bit about your thoughts about why people are so fascinated by this story. So we'll get back. We'll talk about. All of that and uh, and a whole lot more. Justin Dean is with us, uh, former um, former uh, staff member at Marshall Church. Now he is the guy behind that church conference. We're going to be hearing all about that. The rest of that story coming up in just a few. It's the Mark Harvard podcast, brought to you in part uh, by our friends over at Excalibur Services. Now these are people I li- I use in my home. These are the people that keep my home comfortable. I'm a bigger guy. I get hot really easily. I don't want my house to feel like an oven. That's why I use Excalibur Services. They come by. They get my HVAC unit in great shape. And uh, you should you should call them as well. Tell them I sent you. 205-718-8688 for Excalibur Service. Tell Ben and the gang that I said hi. Stick around. More coming up. It is the Mark Harvard Podcast. We are so happy to have all things new counseling services as a member of the Mark Harvard Podcast family. Now, here's the thing. Life is not always easy. There are times when things change. We have to kind of adjust with that accordingly. And life can sometimes be overwhelming and frustrating, downright messy. If you're in one of these seasons in life, you need to call All Things New Counseling Services. They will come alongside you. They'll offer you strength, encouragement, and hope in the confines of a safe and therapeutic environment. Listen, I've known counselor Sharman Rutherford for a while now, and she is amazing and an amazing resource for people that need a little help getting through some of those valleys in life. So give them a call, 205-765-9155, or go by their website, All Things New newcounselingservices.com and tell them you heard about them right here on the Mark Harvard Podcast. Summer's here and it is time to update that summer wardrobe with some merch from the Mark Harvard Podcast. Go to markharvardcreative.com right now and click the store link to go get t-shirts, polos, bags, and hats with the Mark Harvard Podcast logo on them. You can also pick up our famous Jesus Soundwave design featuring the audio Soundwave of the name Jesus. All that and so much more found at markharvardcreative.com today. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at markharvardcreative.com. The Mark Harvard Podcast. Welcome back in. It is the Mark Harvard Podcast. Don't forget to go find us on Facebook, on Instagram, and uh, I'm over on the Tiki Talk now. I don't know any of the dances, and that's really just ends up being me as a grumpy old man giving out advice to you young whippersnappers and telling you to get off my lawn. But if that's your deal, at M Harvard over on TikTok. <laughs> We're here with Justin Dean. He is a former staff member 
with Mars Hill Church and uh, now currently with Tidely. He's the guy behind That Church Conference, which is one of the premier church communications uh, conferences out there. And a uh, good friend of mine. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining uh, us. Uh, hang on. How do I get you to unmute? Unmute. Yeah, there you go. There you are. <laughs> um, I got too many buttons here, man. Too many buttons. Too many buttons. So before the break, we were talking about the the good times over at Mars Hill. Now uh, things went sideways. How did, what was the first I guess crack in the in the wall with this? You know, I I so I was there two thousand nine all the way to the end end of two thousand fourteen, and really the first kind of hint that things were gonna go sideways and we were gonna have some PR messes that maybe were. A little tougher than we were used to uh, was actually the it was the Strange Fire Conference in California, um, John MacArthur's conference. We were doing a um, what was it called Act Like Men conference. So it was Mark Driscoll, James McDonald, and a couple other guys were doing this this conference same time as Strange Fire down in California. And uh, I think. You know, it was James McDonald's uh, idea. Anytime him and Mark got together, it was kind of uh, like a couple frat boys, you know, challenging each other with different stuff. And Mark had a, a book out at the time that had a, a good chapter on the Holy Spirit. And he was like, man, you know, uh, MacArthur is kind of preaching at the Strange Fire conference about Holy Spirit and they've got conflicting views. And he was like, man, you know, how funny it would be if we just went out in the park and a lot of strange fire and handed out your book and you could sign in. They just thought it'd be kind of a funny social media thing. And uh, so I was actually running our booth at a different conference uh, somewhere else. You weren't there. <laughs> I wasn't even there. Yeah. And uh, so they're, you know, they're calling me, the assistants are calling me and they're like, Hey, uh, like, you know, we're going to go over here and do this thing. It's probably not a good idea, but just so you know, just kind of keep an eye on the, on the Twitters and uh, you know, let us know how it's going. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not a good idea. Like, this is why, like, normally I would travel with him to things like this. And we just had too many, you know, things going on at the same time. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh, this is why this is why we we send the PR guy to these things. So it, uh, it kind of went sideways, like security had to come out, tell him to leave. It ended up being a photo op. And it was just one of those things where it was like, come on, like, that was kind of a just kind of a dumb move and uh you know sure it was funny or whatever but it, you know it's not very pastoral this doesn't put us in a good light and um wasn't a good idea and from there it, like that got us enough attention with the blogs and things like that that they were like okay we're gonna we're gonna start watching this and you know we knew he was uh kind of brash and had his problems and now we're kind of seeing that come to light and I think that that is what sparked uh, Janet Mefford, who was a radio host. I forget on which which network, but uh, we were promoting his book and had an interview with her, and and uh, she kind of blindsided us a bit. It's supposed to just be a you know the publisher sets up these interviews with mm -hmm. podcasts and radios, and and yeah. uh, you know we were going to promote the book, but she immediately came out and was like, "What about this plagiarism and this plagiarism and this citing here that was missing?" and just totally threw us for a loop. Um, and that's when everyone really started digging in like, oh my gosh, not only is he a jerk who crashed the Strange Fire Conference, but now he's plagiarizing his books and we've got to look into this. So basically that one stunt, really, it, it kind of uh, set the pendulum head the other way. 
And I really think it did. Like before then, we we certainly had our our PR moments. I mean, that was whole reason why they hired me is because we we would take hits left and right. But it was it was usually not stuff that we were doing. It was just people having an issue with our beliefs or theology or our growth or something like that. And it was it was just a matter of crafting our communications that that go out to help you know promote ourselves better. But this was like okay, now Mark's doing doing some kind of stupid stuff that we've got to got to figure out how to you know navigate around was it easier to deal with criticisms when it was over theology and over methods of preaching and that sort of thing totally like we we knew what we believed and why and you're able to write that down and and uh back it up and double down on it you know it like we weren't going to apologize for having different biblical views than some like we believed that they were biblical and still do so like that's that's easy like that to me is is what PR and communications is all about. It's not about, you know, uh, spinning things and, and hiding things and all that. Like, it's not about that at all. It's about aligning, you know, what you believe and being able to communicate it well so that the perception that people have of you aligns with what you actually believe and what you actually want them to think about you. Um, and that's where it gets muddy, though, is when there's accusations like plagiarism and things like that, where it's like, okay, now we've got to really uh, figure out how to how to communicate this and and get around it because you know they were when it came down to it kind of unfounded allegations and so how did driscoll they, react to this sudden change uh and, and, and not well like in public it, persona know, that, yeah that interview was uh was not great he was pretty mad about it um you know was was upset that um you know that we just had no clue that it was even coming and it was kind of a, a jerk move by uh, sure. by Janet Mefford to throw us like that. It's like, come on, like if you've got an actual accusation like that, what did you expect us to be able to do on the fly? You know, like we had, we had no clue because he didn't plagiarize the book. We just forgot, like we self-published the book. It was mm -hmm. a couple citations that we didn't include that we were like, okay, you know, thanks for pointing it out. Like, and so we put them up on a website and in the second run of the book, we included them. It, it was like, okay, you could have come to us as a fellow Christian and been like, hey, is this something that you did maliciously or is this just a mistake? And we would have been able to correct it. And then it would not have even been a story. But for her, it was all about, you know, getting radio listeners and no one had heard of her before. Yeah. And then suddenly now here it is eight years later, we're still talking about her. But at, at this point, though, it had almost become after the other event, it had become a a. Um, a, 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 she's a hammer and everything's a nail sort of thing. There was it, it seems like she was just looking for something to to, to latch on to, oh, yeah. and uh, I guess and and she I guess she felt like that the market was there and decided to step out like that. Um, going forward, how did how did how did that affect things as they went forward? How did that change in public perception? Well, it was uh, like that hadn't really blown things up nationally publicly quite yet i mean that was certainly a, a stink and something that we kept having to navigate and it sparked these you know kind of discernment bloggers that call themselves who would pick apart everything we do but that was still a small segment what it what really started happening was internally so you've got people internally you go to the church you've got leaders within the church we were so large there's so many so many different people who are going to have different views and so you know, it became discussions in community groups. It became discussions uh, among volunteer meetings, and it and it became to deteriorate internally this trust for the organization and this trust for Mark. 
and you know one or two things happen and it's like okay you give people the benefit for the doubt you explain it and uh you move on you know even if it was a mistake or anything like that people are there's some grace there but you know you get to the fifth sixth seventh ninth tenth accusation that we're now having to continue to talk about and people just it keeps chipping away at that trust and we made the mistake of where it got to the point where we were like let's just stop replying altogether. like that was the directive coming on down it was like look this is all baseless stuff these people are out to get us uh they're on a witch hunt this you know we're not actually doing anything wrong or illegal or abusive and you know like they're accusing us of and so let's just keep forward with the mission and uh, arrogantly believed we were, you know, big enough to, to never fail type of thing. And, uh, you know, you've got me as the PR guy going, hey, you know, we kind of do have to keep re responding to these things <laughs> if we need to control the, that narrative and, and really turn this around. But uh, instead, the decision was, let's just kind of hunker down and be quiet. And then people start making up their own stories or, you know, new mm -hmm. accusations come and people just run with it. And that's what really happened is internally you had a pastor leave and 300 people leave with them. You have another one leave and another 300 people leave with them. And then suddenly it's, there's this mass exodus and then you got another thousand people who leave and it, it's just, uh, you know, your, your uh, donors go down and stuff like that. And it really starts to affect everything. And it really turns out that it implodes instead of explodes. Tell me about, about Driscoll's leaving. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, it came down to uh, what really led up to it was, uh, you know, we had a uh, investigation uh, into him and to all the allegations of him being arrogant and abusive and uh, mismanaging funds and plagiarism, like the whole thing, or, you know, 30, 40, whatever charges uh, against him on different things. And so it was like, okay. So they put together a, a board of, of elders internally and externally and uh, this whole you know committee who would investigate and they interviewed uh, some 50 employees and members and people involved you know all, all of us on staff are individually uh, interviewed and and uh, they really went in depth into looking into this and basically you know kind of came out with this report of okay is he disqualified or not and are these things true and it came down to it to where uh, they they basically said no he's you know he's not disqualified but he is kind of a bad manager he is arrogant uh, and prideful and uh, can you know sometimes be um, you know not a great manager and so kind of there were a different few scenarios that they presented of okay you know you can preach but you're not going to manage the church like. We've got 15 lead pastors. Maybe they can just continue to lead the congregations and you just kind of provide preaching and teaching. And there was this period where it was, you know, there's two different boards. There's the board that oversaw everything. And there's this board that did the investigation. And um, really they were meeting to uh, discuss what are, what are those options going forward. And I think it, it turns out like the, the way that it was going is that the, uh, the recommendation was going to be that he stepped down for a period of time, get some, um, you know, help and counseling type of thing. Um, you know, we're not sure if that would have resulted in an actual like church discipline type of process, or if it was just like, take some time off, get some counseling. We'll, we'll tell you when you can come back type mm -hmm. of thing. None of that was actually resolved. Like that, those were the discussions that they were having. And during, you know, this was all over a weekend during that, that weekend, uh, 
um, of those discussions uh, before anything was even ever finalized, uh, he actually came and uh, and resigned. And, you know, it, the way he tells the story is that uh, he went into a room in his house and, and prayed and his wife went into another room in the house and prayed and about what they should do about their future. And they both came out and, you know, God had revealed the same conclusion that they should step down and that it was time. And that was confirmation to them that it was, uh, you know, kind of a mutual decision with God involved. And, you know, I, you know, who's going to, who's going to discount that or discredit that, you know, who, who knows, but uh, it certainly was a surprise to all of us. Like we were moving forward with, you know, mm -hmm. what are, what are the scenarios and, and how do those play out and what are the communications plans around that? And everyone was blindsided by it. We came in on a Tuesday morning and uh, you know, got this letter and Mark's gone. Like what like, it's done. Like he quit, like wh whether we pursue charges or plan or whatever uh, it, it turned from forget about Mark. What do we do about our church? Like we have no mm -hmm. leader and what's our plan. And uh, so that, that was what we had to start working on next. So in, in retrospect, all these years later, do you think that was the right move? Right move uh, for him or for him or for the church. Yeah. Flip, flip a coin. No, Surprise. Like, me. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know, in, in retrospect, God's uh, God's in charge. So many good things have come from it. Those 15 churches are still going. They're not Marshall churches, but they're 15 individual churches. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's that's wonderful. Uh, that It's actually 12. A couple of them merged. Um, and even to this day, to this day, you know, halfway across the country, every church I visit, uh, it's it's amazing to see the influence of of Mars Hill and Acts 29 still at work. I mean, the music that churches play today, the, the way their services are structured, the way that they do their sermon series and, and things like that. Um, all of that is stuff that can be tracked back to things that were started or pioneered at, at Mars Hill. And uh, it's just amazing. Churches don't even, you know, most of them don't even realize it today. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also thousands of Acts 29 churches that are still basically have the same model uh, as, as Mars Hill structure wise and stuff like that going. And that's really awesome. That's really, you know, impactful. And so, yeah, it, like, you know, looking back, I wish we had been able to continue people, even during all that mess asked me, what are you, you know, what are you going to do next? What do you want to do with your life? And it's like, this is it. I'm at the top like this. I'm part of a amazing movement doing incredible things. And, and, uh, this is the coolest job in the world, and I want to do this forever. I mean, I was about two weeks away from finishing uh, my eldership there, and uh, like you know, we were all in, and uh, it was it was kind of a blow when when Mark quit because it was like okay, that really that really changes things, and uh, unfortunately, we made the decision just to close the church instead of finding another leader or finding a different way for it to continue as a Mars Hill. Um, and so, you know, all of us at central, uh, staff, as we called it, were, uh, eventually had to go either that or join one of the local churches. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was, it was a blow. I wish we were able to continue that. Uh, we had so many amazing, incredible plans that churches today, even what, six, seven years later are still not even caught up to like where we were at and where we were going. And that's just, uh, it's sad in a way. And, and, uh, also on the, you know, flip side of that, I look back and think we were moving way too fast mm -hmm. and, uh, obviously mistakes were made and, and, uh, things weren't done well. And there's a lot that we can learn from all of that. And a lot of the churches have been learning over the last few years. And, 
Um, I understand all that. So maybe it was the good kick in the pants to be like, no, this was, this was not a, a healthy path for a lot of this stuff. And this is unfortunately what needed to happen. And we can look back and still learn on that and, and try our best with the churches we've got today. Before we go to the break, I want to ask you a question. I'm going to give you the break to, to think about this answer. Um, uh, <clears throat> why are, why do you think people are so enamored and interested in this mm-hmm. story? Why, why are people attracted to this to this topic? Um, think about that. When we get back, uh, and I, I can tell you're, you're already chomping at the bit. You've already got an answer. You've thought this through. Um, but when we get back, I want to ask you uh, that question and a couple of other things. Uh, stick around. More to come. It is the Mark Harvard Podcast, brought to you in part by our friends over at All Things New Counseling Services, 205 765 9155. Also, Excalibur Services. They do electrical. They do HVAC. They can make your home just a downright more pleasant place to hang out. Let them know that I sent you. 205-718-8688. Stick around. More to come with Justin Dean right here on the Mark Harvard Podcast. You know it's hot outside right now, but pretty soon you're going to be retreating inside and you're going to want to make sure that the air in your house is as clean as possible. And our buddies over at Excalibur Services can help you with that. They can help check your indoor air quality as well as your HVAC system. Air pollution can have a lot of negative effects on your home and your health if it's not properly maintained. And you need to entrust the experts to keep your home safe with the prompt professional attention that you deserve. Protect your HVAC system and improve your home's air quality and your family's health by calling Excalibur Services, 205-718-8688, 205-718-8688, and tell them you heard about them right here on the Mark Harvard Podcast. Old World Lumiere Candle Company has been with the Mark Harvard Podcast since the very beginning. And let me tell you how happy we are. You can get all kinds of scents, guys, to make your house smell great. And they aren't just your frou-frou floral stuff. Guys can get candles like bourbon or leather, and they come in these really cool glass containers. Check them out. Everything they've got is at owlcandlecompany.com. And tell them I sent you. It's Old World Lumiere Candle Company. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at markharvardcreative.com. The Mark Harvard Podcast. You know, I had to redo that rejoiner file because I, I promoted my my MeWe account. The streets are littered now with abandoned MeWe accounts. MeWe and all the others, yeah. That, that was a very uh, idealistic couple of weeks. <laughs> Justin Dean is with us here uh, on this week's edition of the Mark Harvard Podcast. We're talking about the Mars Hill story. Justin, before the break, I asked you a question. I asked you, why are people so attracted to this story? Why are people so interested in the the, the cautionary tale of Mars Hill? It's it's failure porn. That's what it is. Like, it's there you know you got this podcast out here kind of detailing it all and it's it's definitely got its agenda and uh uh you know viewpoint on it that that they're pushing and people love that kind of stuff they love 
you want to be able to say it's under the guise of, oh, we're learning from the mistakes and what we can do better. But that's not that's not what these uh, it's not the messaging that they're pushing through these podcasts and these blogs and articles and things that are going around again. And and that's unfortunate. Like it is literally just failure porn uh, for these people. They they love the the mystery and uh, the seeing how it can make them feel better about, oh, at least we're not like Mars Hill. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, everyone's attracted to that kind of stuff. It, and it's very well produced and uh, done so in a way. I, I was reading this article the, today or just someone had posted a Facebook post or something about, about the Mars Hill podcast going around where if you pay close attention when, when they're interviewing someone, the music that underscores them is brilliantly well done i mean you can the way that they tweak the voices and they have the cheerful music under the interviews that they want you to like and then you know when they're playing clips of mark driscoll or people speaking nicely about mars hill it's like eerie dark music and the minor key drones and it's yeah it's like it's just total manipulation it's like come on well and, and that's why I wanted I wanted to ask you on on, on this on on this program is because I wanted you to have a chance to talk about the the non sinister parts of it. The, and I say non sinister. I'm I'm being tongue in cheek with that because well, because it, it's it, I know that it, in other in other places it is made out to be this you know um, almost a, a a behind the music sort of thing you know um, because I know you 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 had uh, some good experiences too. With Morris Hill, I mean that 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 one yeah. encapsulated period was rough, but you, I mean you had some some really great times there, and you and you got a lot out of that experience of being there. Um, give me just just one one quick story. What is one of the highlights of your time there? Well, let me disclaimer to say this because people always will uh, kind of pigeonhole me to this, like highlighting the good things about Mars Hill and the, and the great experiences and the growth and the, you know, thousands of baptisms and lives changed and things like all that's awesome. And when you highlight it, people go, oh, you're just trying to sugarcoat the bad that happened. Like that doesn't undermine all the abuse and things like that, that happened. And um, I get that concept, but in my mind as someone who lived through it all and was pretty closely involved in it all, I don't find that uh, there was a lot of abuse and things like that. I think we have a different perspective of it all for sure, uh, particularly when the people kind of pushing that narrative weren't even really involved or left long ago or, or you know, they're, um, they're of opposite viewpoint when it comes to beliefs and theology. And so they're kind of against it anyway and, and that kind of thing. And so, um, you know, I, I say that to, to say there's there's definitely stuff we can learn from it and i'm all for that i I wrote a book along those lines and we'll probably write another book eventually uh that goes into more uh depth or podcast or something like there's plenty of story to tell and plenty of lessons learned we certainly uh were arrogant but we uh definitely did a lot of things right and we did a lot of things Mm -hmm. wrong um it just comes down to whether you know was it illegal or abusive no I, i don't think so far from it and so, you know, looking back, it's like, yeah, it's it's crazy when people paint Mars Hill to be this dark, scary place. And thank God it's gone, because when I was there, at least uh, it was amazing. And, you know, Mark was brash and direct and arrogant for sure. But that's what attracted all of us to go there in the first place. Like that's yeah. how everyone's stories at Mars Hill starts. We 
we needed a kick in the pants. This was a different church. This wasn't like any church we had ever heard of. We hated church and this was amazing. Um, but you know, Mark, even during the, the rough times when I would work 12 hour days, crafting messaging and responding to media and going on TV at night and respond, like we were on, you know, front page of the New York times twice and the Seattle times. And like, it was a big deal and a lot going on and a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to do. I'd come home from a day like that and there'd be dinner on my table sent from Mars Hill. There'd be flowers for my wife uh. saying, sorry that we've, uh, you know, taken so much of your husband's time. Uh, my dad died during uh, the height of all that. And Mark on his own dime flew, not just me and my family and my kids, but my like brothers and sisters from wherever they were flew all of us. It was like eight or nine or 10 of us down to California where my, where my dad lived. And uh, so that we could attend the funeral and get hotel, uh, you know, I couldn't afford plane tickets and hotel and stuff like that last minute. And uh, he paid for all of it and gave me the time off. And like that kind of stuff was, was great. He was one of the most generous people I've ever worked for people who actually worked for him and knew him and were close to him. I'll say the same thing. Uh, all of our wives were very well uh, taken care of and loved, and we led them well because of what we were learning at, at Mars Hill. Um, it was, you know, that's that's what I look back on and remember. Like, Mars Hill changed my marriage, like saved mm -hmm. my marriage. Mars Hill made me into the the man and the Christian that I am now. Like, we we were formed, formed our beliefs uh, and values from our time at Mars Hill. Like, that's that's the true story. Didn't I didn't I hear that there was there was like one particular sermon that uh, that Driscoll gave that just is is credited with saving like uh, however, however many marriages like it's one the men in marriage sermon it's yeah. the it's the one it's it's quoted all the time it was in the podcast and and he literally screams at the men in the room and he says uh, you know you're you're sitting there with your arm around your girlfriend or your wife and uh, and then he's you know he goes how dare you you know and starts yelling at us all for saying, you know, how, how dare you, you touch your wife or your girlfriend or have your arm around her when you're not manning up and leading her well. And, and uh, you're looking at porn and uh, you know, you're doing all these bad things and just not stepping up to be the man that you, uh, that we need you to be. And it was, it was a, like a kick in the butt for so many people for so many men. And it still is like I, that there's a ton of us who continue <laughs> to go watch that sermon when we need to be like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm failing as a husband. And, and there's one called uh, women in marriage too, that just does the exact same thing. He doesn't mm -hmm. yell at them quite as much, but it's the exact same thing. And nobody <laughs> talks about that because he doesn't yell, but yeah. it's uh, he talks to the women, like you should talk to women. And uh, it's a good one too. And, and honestly, through, through the end, those were our most popular sermons by a long shot by tens of thousands of, of views. People would, would email us and write into us each week for years and years and years saying, oh my gosh, I just watched that sermon and it, it saved my marriage. And that stuff's incredible. See, I just, I really wanted to talk, I wanted to give give some airtime or, you know, internet bandwidth to, to some of the good things. Because, you know, right now we're hearing so many of the bad things that that were a part of the end of all this. There were some blessings there that deserve to be acknowledged as well. 
I mean, God was working there, and um, we we can't really throw that out just because the flashy, you know, the, it leads it leads part of it toward the end. Um, you really can't. Like even if even if you were able to point to some serious abuse and things like that, I would still say, you know what, God had His hand in this, and things happened that that God wanted to happen, and that that we should never discredit the work of God, no matter what happens. Uh, and yes, you know, even in, in bad things or bad situations, God's going to make good out of it. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, there's a book of Romans that talks all about that. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think that that we do, we do it a discredit if we don't acknowledge those things. I mean, Mars mm -hmm. Hill was still, uh, you know, the, the bride of Christ, just like any other church. And uh, the people who are still around and, and we're a part of that are, you know, are as well. And I think that's very, very important to highlight that kind of stuff. Well, you know, God works in in a way that he's continuously working on us, and he's always shaping us to be, um, you know, what we're supposed to be as part of his plan. And I, I th thoroughly believe God never wastes something bad happening. I don't think God goes out and outright causes things, but I think he doesn't waste them. There's always uh, God working through those times. And one thing I've seen is, because of your experiences with this and and weathering all of this, you've been able to do some amazing work for the kingdom after that. And it's because you had this this uh, this very emotional, very hardworking experience, this rough time that you've been able to handle some of the other stuff in a way that you have. Well, and, you know, thank you for saying that. I, I, I appreciate that. And, and I, I think, you know, what I've been able to learn over the years since Mars Hill is that, uh, you know, particularly working for myself and having the ability to, to stand up for myself and do the things that I want to do in the way that I want to do them is, is I can learn from what we went through and, and do things right. And that's, that's why I started the conference. That's why we started, you know, online training and stuff for churches and why I wrote the book, because uh, I want to teach churches the, the right way to do it. And since then I've helped dozens and dozens of churches mm -hmm. through PR crisis. I do it for free and I uh, do it behind the scenes. Uh, and uh, I love being able to use the experience to help them. Uh, you know, my hands were, were tied quite a bit at, at Mars Hill. Not that I um, was an expert by any means and could have done things better, who knows? But uh, um, certainly what I've learned now is to how important it is to just stand up for what you think is, is right and, and what you think is the, the right way to do things. And I uh, horribly regret how just quiet we were and how hunkered down we, we went because that really uh, did hurt a lot of people not being able to uh, explain things and kind of guide them towards the truth. Um, and since then, the narrative's just been completely lost and cemented into something that's really ugly and evil. And that's, uh, that's just a, a real shame because families and, and people and lives uh, are still very, very hurt and traumatized by that. I mean, there's so many people who will DM me every week and saying, because of you and everything you did in Marseille, I don't even go to church anymore. And, mm -hmm. and I don't even believe in God. And it's like, okay, you, you know, like I, I get it. Um, but you know, I, like, I find no, no shame in them. And that's their, that's their issue. It has nothing to do with me, but it does break my heart. Yeah. Uh, and I try to explain things as much as I can to them, but 
Um, and that's all you, know, you can do. I mean, that's it is. It's all you can do. Yeah. But it's a direct result of the of the choices we made. And so it's like, okay, that's you know, all I can do is make better choices uh, when it's in my control, and that's what I've been doing. There you go. So if there's a church out there that needs some some help with PR, if there's somebody needs just a, 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 some help, just taking that that uh, that uh, evangelism a little further, and they want to be a part of, I don't know, maybe a, a church conference. How uh, how can they be a part of, of that church conference? Well, you can go to that cc.com and uh, we, we've got, you know, conf- in conference in-person conference coming back in uh, May 2022. Mm-hmm. And so we're really excited about that. And, and we've got some amazing speakers and, uh, and, you know, you, you've, you've spoken, you've been a part of this and, and uh, from the very, very beginning. And um, we are all about uh, practical teaching like this isn't a conference where you're going to come uh, come away feeling uh i mean you will come away feeling really great and motivated to do better but we're going to actually give you the practical tools on on how to do that and that's that's what we're all about and um you know part of that's pr and communications and social media and using digital tools but our whole thing is to help you continue to advance kingdom and, and grow your church and uh we're going to teach you how to do that there you go justin dean thanks for joining us this week man yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thank you for the conversation, and thank you so much for just having a, a reasonable uh, perspective on stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, that's it for us this week. So uh, thanks for joining us this week on the Mark Harvard Podcast. Don't forget, once again, support the people that support us here at the podcast. All Things New Counseling Services, 205-765-9155. You can also uh, hit up Excalibur Services. They're over on Facebook. They're on Instagram, 205-718-8688 for them. And don't forget to tell both of them that you heard about them right here on the Mark Harvard Podcast. Hey, we'll be back next week. More cool things happening. I'm working on on uh, an interview. I, I can't give you the details right now. I can't, but it, I, just, just, I promise it's going to be cool. Just go with that. Take my word for that. In the meantime, have a fantastic week. I'll talk to you later. It's the Mark Harvard Podcast, and I'm out. The Mark Harvard Podcast.